0: Welcome to another edition of the Grizz Den Pod. Ty Smith Sr. is in the house. Let's go, Grizz. Hey, Brantley. <laughs> this hey. happens every time, I feel He's like here. now. All right, guys, welcome to the podcast. Um, Grizzlies are on a win streak right now. And so uh, the positive vibes are back uh, if you can't already tell. Uh, If you haven't joined us, welcome. We're glad you're here. This is a podcast where we talk all things Grizz. And we're going to kick off the pod like we usually do. Uh, We're going to talk through uh, some of the recent news, updates, and games. Give a few points around what we were watching, what we have seen, and what we can, uh, you know, look ahead towards in regards to the Grizzlies. But then we got something special cooked up for today's episode. Uh, and I'll, I'll kind of tee it up now and then we will get to it in just a few minutes. But there was an article that came out uh, on ESPN.com and it Stirred up a lot of controversy. It's a, was the top twenty five players under twenty five years old, and uh, one Lamelo Ball was ranked all the way up at number three, and it it was uh, it caused a lot of fan bases to uh, get angry. How we say, and uh, this is this uh, also pertains to to Memphis because. Uh, our boy, John Morant, wasn't nearly high enough. And so what we are going to do is we're going to uh, rank our top 10s under 25. So uh, we are going to get to that soon. But first, let's start off with some Grizzlies news. Really, the the one headline here is that Zach Kleiman and company actually came out last week and commented on Jaren's status. They said that he is set to return... In April so that's about as specific as uh, this front office has been and so you know if Jaron returns in late April that would give him just right around 10-12 games uh, with this squad and then whatever play-in slash postseason hopes we have after that so um, that's the one bit of news guys when you heard that were you relieved to hear that Jaron was going to be playing, or were you surprised? What was what was the initial reaction when you when you read or heard that? Ty, we'll start with you.
1: Um, I think it's kind of what. Well, it's not necessarily what I expected, but it made sense that because he hasn't played yet. And the word, even from the start, was, like, he will play this season. That was, like, kind of the only thing they would really say. Um, Jaron himself did the uh, – undefe- is it Undefeated? The yeah. article that mm-hmm. he did, right? Yeah. With Mark, Mark Spears. Spears. And this was for MLK Day, which is in January. And Jaron was basically like, I'll be back soon, sooner than you think. And so we were all thinking February, you know, for sure. And then February didn't happen. And then we're thinking, oh, March for sure. And then March didn't happen. And then it was I had the same thought. I was like, oh, April for sure. And then when he came out and spoke, I was like, Yeah, that that makes sense. The the difficult thing, and we may talk a little bit more about this later, but like this summer we have some some options of things to do potentially. And I would love to see Jaron play with this group of players. And he hasn't been able to do it. So we're kinda of, and he's a huge piece. Like he's probably the second most important thing we have going. Um, I mean, I guess you, you maybe could argue the the best thing we have going on offense. I don't really know, uh, but Jaron's a he's a freak, and I would, and he just opens things up so much, and he's so versatile. So I kind of wanted to see what he would look like playing with the guys that we have now. And ten games is not a big enough sample to to know anything. What About you, Brantley?
2: Honestly, I'm sort of just I don't really have any emotions about it. I just. It'd be fun to sort of see him back. We're kind of doing well enough with him. Uh, it sort of feels like it'd be really hard to integrate him this late in the season.
0: It just feels to me like a season that has already been written off, like you said, just kind of no emotions at this point. But I do agree about the, you know, even the limited data that you can, can gather, you might as well. And also I'd be interested to see just uh, the different things that Taylor Jenkins can do with him in the lineup to see how that kind of shuffles things up. What about you, Ty?
1: Yeah, so I think one other point I want to make. So you mentioned how he's kind of been forgotten, like even nationally. So the top 25 list that you referenced, Jaron wasn't even in the top 25. And, like, DeAndre Ayton was in that list. Um, Sabonis was on that list. John Collins was on that list. Like if you would have asked me last year who would I pick to have a better career, John Collins or Jaron, I would have put Jaron – Ten times out of ten. Um, I don't know if y'all agree with that. I'm sure y'all yeah. do because y'all are probably grizz-goggling. But I feel like that's a normal take, right? That wouldn't shock people to say that last year. And I think people forget that he put up 43 against the Bucks, and he has more points in one quarter than any Grizz in Grizzlies history, and he was 20 when he did it. Uh, and if you watch him in the bubble, that first game against Portland, he dominated the entire second half and just worked Nurkic, and Nurkic just had nothing to do. Nurkic's supposed to be a really good defensive center. I don't know. It's just kind of Grizz fans have kind of forgotten. And to Brantley's point, like, what does it even look like when he comes back in the lineup? Um, And that's one thing I wanted to mention. Maybe we can get into it later about, like, what do you all think the starting five would look like when he is available to play? Because he probably will start, right? Let's
0: just get into it now. Yeah, let's do it. Let's say for sure Jaron and Ja, right? And For, Jonas. And Jonas. And Dylan. Those Dylan are three. will always and, start, and Dylan. Apparently. So it's really that Tyler Kyle or five.
1: Grayson, I think, right? So would you put Kyle at the three, Dylan at the two, with Jaron at the four, or move Kyle to the bench and do Ja, Grayson at the two, Dylan at the three, Jaron at the four, Jonas at the five? I think
0: that's what they'll do is Grayson. Yeah, Because I think Kyle's best position is four. And so, if you can bring him off and, and, and play small ball even with BC and the five, if you sure. wanted to.
1: Like a bench unit. With, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: And, uh, and even move Jaron to the five, bring Kyle in, and then kind of swap out BC for Jaron after that, if you want. I think there's more options there uh, because we also can't squeeze this two guard. We already have a, a traffic jam at two. I mean, are you going to really limit those minutes even more?
1: Because you can't – because we were talking about this before we started is Chris Harrington had a little article and he kind of tweeted about it that our three best three-point shooters all play the same position. So they basically never share the floor together, which is a bummer. But to your point, like we need to have one of those guys on the floor, I would argue like all the time. And one of those three is Grayson, Melton, or Bain. Like one of those guys should be on the floor for 48 minutes. Um, so if you don't start one, then they're, you're already starting without one of those guys on the floor. Bradley, what so, do you think?
2: My question is this: is we're talking about what you th- we think they would do. What do you think? Do you think that they would ever try, or do you want them to try putting like justice over Dylan?
0: I think if they did anything, they would move Dylan to the two and then put Justice in at the three.
2: Instead of Grayson.
0: Yeah. But that would be... I I genuinely would want to see that lineup. I mean, personally would prefer somebody different than Dylan in the two spot, but you also have to admit, like, he is playing well right now as we speak, so... If he carries that on, then sure. And I also think that the organization has shown that they're going to start Dylan Brooks. Like that's just not a question at this point. So,
2: so is is Justice destined to be a bench player when we're fully
0: healthy? The the big question is, too: Are they going to start him, or or are they going to basically bring him off the bench because of health? Even like that's what we've seen now is like he's sitting out. He's He hasn't played in the last couple of games. He sits out back-to-backs, and we, we, we've we been bringing him off the bench in order to, you know, limit minutes. Or er,
2: Yeah, and I'm asking this, like, because he obviously hasn't deserved starting. I'm asking – and I really am sort of saying it from a – we're sort of talking about this in, like, a perfect health scenario, meaning if he was – if help, like when they traded for him, what did what do we sort of think that they were going to try? You know,
0: oh, a hundred percent. We were assuming he was going to be the starter I over mean, Grayson, not like or replacing
2: Grayson, not replacing Dylan. I'm not. I'm sort of talking positionless, yes.
0: positionless basketball here,
2: other than JV.
0: I think we is thought. What I'm sort of talking about. We thought Justice was going to be our our three, and then whoever earned the spot at two. Because, I mean, Dylan really is the odd man out in regards to just the starter-level players, I mean, on the team. Like, he's on a different team. I could see him being, you know, he could start on, like, ten teams probably, but not, like, a championship team. So, I mean, at that point, Injustice has the ceiling or he's shown the flashes, but it's the consistency. I mean, that and the health question always, so...
1: I think this year Justice is destined to play 20, 22, 25 minutes at the most, coming off the bench, kind of doing that thing. Uh, next year after a full off season and he's back to 100% health, I don't know. But if you look at our starting unit last year before we traded for him, Dylan started at the two, right, and Jay played the three. And when Jay got traded and Justice couldn't play, Kyle Anderson stepped in and started at the three. So Dylan has been starting at the two for maybe the whole time he's been a Grizz. So I think yeah. they view him as the two. And this year, I think, due to potential injury, and I think Jaron's injury had a lot to do with that. Um, but yeah, I think now that he's kind of had to play the three. But Justice, I don't think I don't think he can play in, in that starting unit unless Jaron, but again, there's such a, Small sample size, right? If Jaron comes out shooting 43% from three on, like, eight attempts like he did last year, that is a whole nother realm of shooting. But as the lineup currently stands, like, if you take out Grayson and add justice into that mix, there's zero shooting on the floor. Unless Dylan has, like, a hot game and Kyle maybe, you know, can hit a few. Kyle's fine from three. He's not like a – I'm scared of him shooting a three if I'm the opponent, right? Like, if he's wide open in the corner – he may take one and make it, but he's not like a – I don't fear him, right?
2: Well, Justice's shooting this year is worse than Kyle's three-point shooting exactly. last
0: year. Oh. So think about Justice starting is...
1: both of those guys. That would be really tough in spacing. Yeah, so
2: th- I'm asking these questions because I think the reaction is fascinating because, to me, it puts a pretty interesting light on the – future investment probably that we would want to see made in justice we basically are saying we don't think he's a starter
0: yeah well I think he could be and the problem is is that he hasn't shown any sign that he can do that this year and I think also the the problem here is you know I think there is a debate to be had on whether it's worth opening up the cap space that would be his hold which is around like what 14 15 13 we think? to 15 yeah. in there yeah and and but at the same time from a from an organizational standpoint it would be pretty embarrassing for the front office not to pick it up if they made this trade last year and this is the same regime it's not a new regime so they don't like to me they have an investment in justice to and at the end of the day I mean that doesn't kill you it's not like picking up a $28 million option. You know, you still have flexibility and also...
2: Well, strategically, it makes sense to pick up the team option versus... Versus lose the asset. Losing the asset. So I agree with you there. But then it's how much are you then willing to just re, to super commit to the asset versus like trying to leverage it and get off of it next year too in like some sort of trade.
0: Yeah, and but also too, I think it's important. I think the... I don't exactly know the rules around extending justice and whether that has to be a conversation this off season, because usually extensions have to happen a year before they kick in. And so, but that it's not always that way. Yeah. So I'd be interested actually to do more research on that and see. do you know?
1: No, I don't know. But if we don't extend him this summer, then he enters free agency unrestricted. Correct. So like we technically, I mean, we could still offer him a really big contract, but another team could also do the same we don't have his hold at it we have no rights to him at all. Right. if we wait if we do it this summer we have his rights still so we are the only team that can technically negotiate with him so right? could
2: you see us like doing like a three-year you know extension or something like that
1: that's the question to me that's that is the biggest question this offseason to me
2: at a decent level, like what would you, what would be an extension for three years? So my first, when well, we, we did uh, Dylan, right. We extended him for three years.
1: Yeah, we did a three year extension for around yeah. 30 million, 31, 32, 33 million. He's getting like 11 ish million a year. Um, would you justice do that justice. I yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think I that's, would.
0: That's about the range. But then my he's thought was like the Jonas.
1: My thought was the Jonas extension. My thought was like three for like forty-five. So you're giving him like fifteen million ish a year. Based on the production, my justice thought.
2: has shown this year and his injury history. You think he would get what JV gets?
1: No, I don't. But that's that was my number initially before. Got it. Got it. Everything happened. But will you were saying? I you think it could be. I think um, a team would do that. Though. I do. Yeah. That's why I think. And I think we would, would do that. I think
0: the market would would potentially yeah. be there, mainly because of his defense. I mean, that's and one he's thing 24. that has been there. He's still right. a
1: really young. Like he and Brandon Clark are the same age, which is nuts. Yeah. And Justice has shown the ability to be a fantastic perimeter defender, and like a really good multi-positional offensive player. It's just
0: not not this year. He has thirty-seven percent true shooting, which. For Horrific. reference, fifty five percent true shooting is league average. That's like, average.
2: Yeah, can you play him in a playoff series other than just like in big defensive stands with that true shooting percentage? No,
0: unless I think unless no. He, you have Jaron Bain, Jaw like Bain and Bain and Jaron. Okay, for reference mainly.
2: to our to our to grandfather. Do we know whatever what was the season with his worst true shooting percentage? Was he ever we
0: don't around know. that mark? I mean, I can look it up, but it would take a second.
1: Yeah, and Tony was. I don't. I doubt it. Arguably, like that's the best, best perimeter defender in the league.
2: And and at times in the playoffs when we were competing for making it deep. So like I know the next couple of years we're not like I'm not expecting us to necessarily make a deep run. But like I would say in the next year or two with this current team, we'd be like, we should make a playoff series and be competing for sure in the first winning a couple yeah. a couple games in the first whether it we're a seven or six seed. So I just think as we loved Tony Allen and I, you know, his story has kind of been written incorrectly after that Golden State series where he was injured and they did the whole Bogut thing on him. So Grizz fans remember that correctly. But so I'm saying, we all right. I regardless, regardless of that one series, he still had shooting woes in a in a league that wasn't as dominant from outside as it is today. Right. And it was
0: noticeable. So Tony Allen, twenty thirteen season when we went to the Western Conference Finals, forty nine percent true shooting.
2: That's a that's pretty
0: it's, it's a lot it's a better good
2: comparison to me, right? I mean, that's what you would hope. Justice could be like that at some point on this team, for sure.
1: And I think Justice also not in like Tony, A- not that level, right? But
2: that type of player.
1: Yeah, Tunix. Yes, I think defensively, if he can give you that, that'd be, if you're not him give for that if Justice can give you that, that'd be that awesome. Much? No, you're not. But the like the beauty of Justice on his offensive. Again, this is previous to the the injury, previous to the. I'm talking about Miami Heat Justice Winslow is he started, like, the whole big thing with him is, like, there was one playoff year where he started for the Heat at, like, three separate positions in different, like, series. He played, like, center some. He played point guard some. So, like, I think the thing with him is, A, he can, like, initiate offense. He can be a playmaker. Like, Tony was never going to do that. Tony was just going to, like, make timely cuts, and he had the best passing center in the league on his team that would just feed him inside. But if Justice can't, like... Make plays if you can't like shoot from outside. Cause I think you have to be some form of a threat to then make plays, right? Unless you're someone like Ja, who's just a freak of nature. But like Kyle Anderson, that's why things have opened up so much for him. Cause he's a decent threat to shoot now. Like when he wasn't a decent threat to shoot, he couldn't do that much offensively. Cause team didn't respect that. now I think for justice to be that creator, like in the open floor and in an open space, even in the half court, he's got to be some form of a threat to do something offensively, to turn into a creator. But I think Justice's, like, highest ceiling on offense is not a score. It probably never will be a score. But to, like, create and facilitate yeah, and your- run the pick and roll with, like, he and Jaren pick and roll stuff. Like, little stuff like that I think he could do, which Tony could never do. But Tony was also the best perimeter defender in the league in, for, like, a five-year stretch.
0: What I Yeah, what I want to see from Justice, though, is at, at a minimum, I want to see him... Uh, start finishing around the rim first and just try to get to the free throw line. like that to me, like three point uh, shooting at this point for him, I mean he can't he can't possibly bring that percentage up high enough to where it's at the end of the season at a respectable place. I mean, we can look at it in a you know smaller sample at the end, but like he to me just has to slash attack on offense and facilitate, like you said. so we'll see. I mean, I do think he could be valuable in the play-in, in the playoffs, as a um, a stopper, you know, for, you know, if we were to play uh, Phoenix, like throw him on Bridges or, or uh, Booker. Booker, yeah. Like he's at least somebody you can rely on on that end, but it's, it's true. It's been bad.
1: So the game, one like point on that, and then we can move on. I feel like I've been harping on this too much. So the first time we played the Heat at home, it was just uh, like a – slugfest right there was a point I think it was like in the second quarter or early third quarter where Jimmy Butler was just going berserk and Dylan was guarding him Dylan was the primary defender and you could hear Dylan got subbed out and when he got subbed out Justice came in for him to guard Jimmy and Jimmy was yelling Justice come get your boy basically like Dylan ain't got no shot at guarding me if y'all want to go rewatch that game rewatch it when Justice comes in the game and guards Butler Jimmy does nothing for like 6 minutes of game time. Justice just cuz he's super strong, he's pretty quick, crazy physical, and he just basically shut him down and Jimmy was on a tear there for like probably 5-6 minutes. Yeah. I think that's the value. And I I think Even if it's in like 6 minute bursts, like right. 15 minutes a game, 6-7 minutes in the first half, same in the second half. But can you spend
2: 14 million a year on that kind of player?
0: No,
1: not. you're hoping that he's more than that.
0: No, not If you have other guys that can survive at that level in terms of defense, then no, you can't justify having him on the roster at that amount, in my opinion. But we'll talk way more about that, obviously as we get going into uh, the latter part of the season and the off season. But just let's hit real quick kind of at a high level. We are on a four-game win streak. At this point, it's funny because I feel like we get to these conversations here, and we're, we're automatically thinking about this team in terms of uh, what it can be and, and looking ahead, which is, I think, appropriate for this season. You know, in a season where we're in the playoff hunt, I think breaking down game by game is uh, valuable. But now we're, we're more so looking at trends. And I think one trend that we've seen – is that this team has to give DeAnthony Melton minutes. Uh, speaking of true shooting with Justice Winslow being at 37, DeAnthony Melton right now first on the team in true shooting at 61%, which is absurd. And he is uh, has become a legitimate 3-point threat. Um, he has he he just does everything for us and um it's ironic too that at the same time we're also seeing Grayson Allen uh just really get hot from 3 as well. So we have this traffic jam but I think the point is is that Melton was getting these DNP's, you know, in the last time we talked over the course of like 6 games and then now he seems to be a guy that you can't afford not to play. What I mean, do y'all agree with that or y'all what do y'all think about how Melton's looked and and how he fits?
1: I think I think Melton is, uh, yeah, like he's a must play. And it's kind of crazy that he gets such limited minutes that he gets. Even when he's playing well, he's only getting like 18 to 20 minutes a game, which is crazy. Um, and to your point about the three-point shooting, so when we had um, Matt Harlicka on, he kind of talked about one thing that Grizzlies really, really need is like an off-the-dribble three-point shooter, right? If you all remember – he mentioned this is in trade talks, and he mentioned like, "Hey, what if like Eric, Eric Eric Gordon, and we get a first rounder?" And he his reason why is because like we need an off the dribble three point shooter that can just go create like create a three point shot. DeAnthony's been doing some of that stuff. Like some of these shots he's taking is just like straight up pull up threes. They're not necessarily like catch and shoot. Most of them are catch and shoot because he's playing that type of position on the wing where he he doesn't really have the ball in his hands a ton. And I think we mentioned this last time, too. I would love to see some of that change. I would love to see him play backup point guard without Tyus in the game and just kind of see what him and Bain look like in as the backcourt on the floor together. Um, and his defense, he creates seals. He's a great rebounder. He's long as hell. He's like 6'2", like a 7-foot wingspan. It's insane. He's also only 22 years old, which is nuts. Um, yeah, D'Anthony's by far like a fan favorite. I think all like Grizz nerds especially – are just obsessed with him um, and rightfully so. And he's like, he's like called, or what's it called? Like uh, when you like challenge someone, like something, the bell, like he answered the answered Answer the, call. the bell. Answer the bell, something like answer the call. I, I don't right. know what it is. Either way, anytime like he hasn't played yeah. and then he comes back and like Jenkins gives him minutes, he answers the call every time. He plays well almost every time he's out there on the floor.
2: Yeah, he just he just seems to have this different level of energy this year than he did last year to me. Um, and, I, I mean, on top of the fact that he's just playing really well, he seems, I've, you know, for the right reasons, exceptionally confident in all of his shot attempts. Last year I feel like he felt really confident, I think, in the elbow area. I just remember feeling like any time he would take a shot around the elbow, I felt like it was going in. He's kind of become that guy, you know, I, I say this way too much, but he's just become a guy now outside, and you know, behind the arc where you just feel like he's going in all the time and that true shooting percentage, I think, is speaking to it. And, you know, Verno talks about this frequently, that he just feels like he's sort of – what's happening to him is exactly what happened to Tony Allen for a while with Lionel in terms of you – you, Lionel, for whatever reason, for the first couple of years of T.A., just didn't want to put him on the court have y'all heard Verna say that? What do you think about that in terms of just like what was happening to the, more from a playing yes, time perspective, absolutely. not like the player comp?
0: Absolutely. I, I think that it's the same deal where somebody getting hurt is the reason why DeAnthony started playing again because Grayson was out for that concussion stuff. DeAnthony was inserted into the lineup and all of a sudden good things started to happen for him. And it's funny too, because like I said earlier, like, Grayson also hasn't lost his spot. If anything, he's just played better. Yeah. So it's like they're lifting each other up a little bit. Such a crazy problem because it's 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 one of those things where I think we can see that DeAnthony has a higher ceiling. It feels like Grayson this is sort of what he's play how he's playing right now is about the best you can expect out of him which he scored 30 Last night against the Hawks and was like a integral part of that run that we made. And at the same time, I think that Milton provides more defensive chops and now is showing that he can offensively affect the game too. So, I mean, it's just, it is going to be fascinating, the decisions. And, and like you were saying, Ty, like Grayson's on the books next year for nothing. So, I mean, why would you let go of that? But at the same time, like they're—I don't
2: know—it's a great problem to have in the regular season because you
0: do need some depth,
2: particularly the way that our, you know, we're ending the season from a scheduling perspective. When you get into a playoff scenario, that's where it could become really interesting. And, you know, early in these guys' career, I guess it doesn't necessarily matter as much in terms of who's going to get the primary amount of minutes. I do think what Ty what you're talking about it's almost like if there was a roadmap for both of these players for Grayson and, and Melton it's like Tyus is helping us still win while we're developing Melton into like this different like to dif- to develop different skill sets to be a long ter- long-term piece and then he could he could eventually replace the minutes that Melt or that um that Tyus is giving us a little bit and get more minutes like, he doesn't have the pieces to his game yet where we really can trust him in the backup scenario at times. But that's that needs to be part of his development plan. And, like, right now it's like, just get your shot down. And it, it's like, he's got it. So, he really doesn't have the point guard chops to me. I mean, that was so evident in the bubble. And he was so out of rhythm. He really seems like an off-the-ball kind of player to me. And he has, to your point, he has developed, I think, some more – you know, kind of off the dribble type, um, you know, shots this year, but it's not like running the offense.
1: No, I agree. 100%. Um, that's the scary thing, right? If you give him the reins, we've done it before and it hadn't worked out great. Uh, but also to your initial point, he's playing, he's like a different player this year, though, even compared to the bubble. Like his confidence is crazy high. My thing is, So when we played Utah, one thing that was really evident, even when they were really healthy, we played them. So we played them on a back-to-back. Then we played like a game in between and played them again. We basically played them three out of the four games we had, something like three out of five. I don't remember exactly what it was. They played eight players. That's like all they played. 100% healthy. They ran eight guys out. We run 10 regardless, which is fine. I get it. We're young. I completely understand that. Like we're not necessarily – living and dying by every game. We're not playing for a one seed like Utah is. But they played eight players every night. What, like, that's, and one thing I thought about is, like, if we played eight guys, what eight would that be? And, like, we don't have to go into this, but it's just something to be thinking about. Like, would, and my point was, like, would Tyus make the eight? No, there's no way, right?
2: Not in a play in the future. No,
1: it's so tricky because then you're losing like so many. Even if you look at like Jaron being healthy, like Kyle's gonna play, uh, Bane's gonna play. You would think
0: it's tough. It is so so tricky because I could see a scenario where he does, but I also don't think that if you're, I don't think he brings enough to the table necessarily to. Uh, he would have to, to me, add one extra part of his game, whether that's refining, Tyus? Yeah, Tyus. Okay. refining his three point shot to make it actually consistent because right now it seems up and down or his, um, defense, like he would just have to get better, um, in that area. But I also think it's a matchup deal as well, but I, I the spirit of what you're saying, I agree with, like we couldn't necessarily afford not to play somebody else, uh, behind Tyus at that point
1: yeah and another th- point on D'Anthony when we were looking at like so obviously the trade deadline was a few weeks ago every time I was like throwing players into trades I never added De'Anthony in a trade
2: you didn't want to
1: no yeah. that's the point I was like god I do not want another you give team up to Grayson
2: have him. but you didn't want to give up De'Anthony.
1: yeah and that's crazy because Grayson's arguably playing better I don't know I mean Grayson's lights out. Every time he leaves his hand, we text about this all the time. Like I, I close my eyes, and I'm like, it's probably going in. But I never wanted to – I didn't want to lose De'Anthony. Like, I wanted to hang on to him really bad, and I think that means something.
0: Could uh, could you ever see a um, Ja, De'Anthony, Justice, BC, Jaron lineup being really fun?
1: It'd be hella fun. Absolutely it would. Defense would be through the roof if Job wants to try to play defense every now and then. But we could run and get out on the break. I think Jaron's gonna be. I think we forget how good he is. I think I forget how good he is. I can like we totally. If get. I close my eyes and just think back to what he was doing at some points last year, it was freakish. Yeah, like he is an animal. He
2: did. He hit a different point in the bubble.
1: He is an animal. He shot forty percent from three. He's a twenty-one year old seven footer on like eight attempts a night. We did the whole unicorn index in a podcast last year, and we basically said no player in the league is shooting and blocking shots at the rate that he is. No one, period, in I the league have is that doing it. Spreadsheet,
2: if we need to go back and revisit. Like <laughs> Jaron is,
1: hopefully, becomes one of one. He's just a freak. Yep. I think him. Yeah. I think if he's shooting the way that he's shooting, I think back to your point that opens up Justice being able to play and not be a threat to shoot.
2: Can I add a different comment maybe about some one small thing that we've talked about before and I just, we don't talk about it enough. I don't think, and that's just that, and I've, I've wavered on this, I think in the past, by the way. So I'm going to fully acknowledge that to the listening audience out there. I think JV is just really, really important. I think he, at one point I talked about like wanting to trade him because I just think he had so much value to us, but like, Having him in the type of role that he is right now for our team, he just – It is very important. He is very – he just – I don't know, man. He's not – like, I used to get so frustrated with Mark sometimes, as much as I loved Mark. i The only time I get frustrated with JV is, like, once – a couple – every now and then, like, he'll have a game where he just, like, can't catch the basketball.
0: Yes, yeah. But
2: then other than that, he's He's aggressive. Great. He's yeah, an aggressive,
0: he's Mark. Like, he's a 20 and 15 whenever you want it. And I think there's data – out there now like the analytics bros are trying to show how like double doubles aren't important as important get that, anymore get that out of here. to me though it's less about that it's less about the numbers and more about the um it's it's more about the space that he takes up and the 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 consistency of that and just that you know we have a guy that we know can he- go head-to-head. Look at him against any center in the league. He still gets his numbers every time. It's not like any center is holding him to seven points and six boards. Like, he's going to get 20 and 12 every night.
2: What was the game that you sent us, the, the JV Mic'd Up video? Oh. After- we, haven't, we haven't potted it was since a, then. It was
0: a Beyond Grit. They do this docu-series, Grind City Media does for the Grizzlies. I would highly recommend It's like six minutes of Jonas Mic'd Up. Uh, I I can't remember the game.
2: It was the game that he like totally like muscled out on somebody at one point <laughs> and like flexed. Oh,
0: it was against uh Wiz. It was against the
1: Wiz. Wagner because he and yeah. Mo Wagner got into it, and Mo Wagner was well, maybe like, we was, did asking we, out of we the game.
2: Talked
0: about Bertans afterwards, or was this a
2: different Wiz game? I can't remember. That's a, it was awesome. No, oh, it was did. the same
1: game because that's when we came up with our votes. <laughs> that's Worst right. Worst of all times. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, that was that's exactly right. But no, that go watch it. It's beyond grit. It's the Jonas episode. Yeah, Ty.
1: I think a cool thing about Jonas, and to your point about the double double thing, like you don't know what you got till it's gone.
0: Mm. Have
1: you ever heard of that?
0: I've heard it I believe, a couple I, times. I believe that I have. Was that is that an original? Yeah, tie? I just thought of it. So.
1: Not only is he a double double machine, but this this stat for the day for for you guys listening, he leads the entire NBA post our star break in rebounding. He's a rebounding machine. Mm. If you look at our team's maybe worst thing is rebounding. People would argue that rebounding doesn't really matter that much. Back to the original quote, you don't know what you got till it's gone. When you lose somebody that is such a great rebounder like he is, I think you start to feel it. Because I think you're looking around and be like, God, we just, I feel like we can't, we can't keep possessions or we, why is this team getting so many second chance opportunities? You don't realize it till it's not there. And I think he adds value in the shadows, meaning that it's not like a highlighted part of the game, but you really don't see his impact all the time. But when it's not there, it would be like a Q beam flashlight shining on a weakness.
0: Yeah. And he, to me, is a, um, insurance against when the three-point shot isn't falling. Like, every time I feel like Jenkins is saying, like, just dump it down to him whenever we we miss, like, three shots in a row. It's like, he's a bucket. Like, Our
1: number one out of the timeout when we're struggling play is when we do a couple dribble handoffs, get Jonas on, like, the opposite block of the ball. Whoever's on the block closest to the ball goes and does the cross screen. Mm-hmm. Jonas flashes to the paint. Entry pass to him, little hook. Shot. I don't yep. remember the last time that hasn't worked. Yep, it works every time.
0: And Ja loves to dish it off when he drives to, and Jonas yeah, and it, will yes. drop it every once in a while. <laughs> and then he'll he will catches it. a lot of it. Eighty percent of the time, he's good. Them. Yeah,
1: and he knows his place. Like, yes, back to again the Jaren topic. Last year, if y'all remember, the last. 25 games of the year, BC really started coming on. We closed games, like the last seven minutes of the game. It was Jaron and BC at the four and the five every time. Yep. Like if Jonas, if a matchup called for it, he was really hot, he was dominating down paint, we would maybe leave him in. There's a lot of games that he was not closing, though, yep. and he was fine
0: with it. Man, this is this is just... Jonas, come on the fun. pod, my guy what what a fun team i mean just like so many pieces to discuss and we're not yet we're in that honeymoon of you're not having to make the hard decisions yet uh so we can really see what we have and i think at the same time we're you know over 500 in a year that most teams probably would have mailed it in so uh
2: Last, last topic maybe
0: yeah go for it
2: this is not a dylan brooks podcast so you're, it's going to be hard for me to talk positively about his performance. Tread lightly here. So I'm going to ask
0: y'all to. <laughs> well, okay. What what I will say? But he has played. He he's played well. He has played well, and he also has done it to me. The most important part of it was it wasn't a one game occurrence. It was a back to back. In in two consecutive games, we saw Dylan. Um, bring the energy at, in a quarter where we could have let the game slip away. And he truly was the one that kept the energy. And I think though we fault him for all things that are deserved, one thing we can never fault him for is his energy, even though a lot of times the energy is very annoying uh, <laughs> to us because sometimes it leads to to shots that shouldn't be taken. He, I think... Uh, speaking as now at Trade Brooks on Twitter, uh, Dylan's trade value is only going up, which we can all celebrate. We so. can celebrate, and at the same time, if up. his trade value is going up, it means that he's also playing well and contributing in positive ways. So it's truly a win-win.
1: Okay, I'll I'll just pour cold water on that, just because that's what we need to do anyway. <laughs> It's Thanks been like three games, right, against Philadelphia. He was just throwing up stuff, and they happened to go in. He did this the entire month of January last year, so we decided to extend him. And then after January, he was shooting like th- below 30% from everywhere. And it wouldn't shock me if he goes on a seven-game streak where he's like 25% from three and can't hit any of these crazy one-legged jumpers from 18 feet. So, yeah, he's had a few good games in a row there where, he's, where he's made shots – That were not like that. He's not still not like in rhythm within the offense shots. He like Philly. He was just pulling up from everywhere, and they happen to go in. And Dylan will do that every now and then. So
0: what you're saying is just don't be fooled, Grizz fans. Don't
1: do the whole tweet like Dylan Brooks Island thing because like you're gonna flood on that island in like a week.
2: Or like what I mean, Sane embraces him
0: more than any
2: like Grizz pundit out there.
0: He. It's, I think uh, he he embraces the chaos around Dylan more than anything. It? Yeah, but he also is a Dylan. Like he'll still be a Dylan Stan. Uh, but I think he loves just the the insanity of Dylan. Yeah,
2: I, yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I still just cringe when I see him do good. It's not a win win <laughs> for me. I, like it just like makes me. It just makes me mad. I would love to. See, I would love for the front office to be like, "Hey, you know what? Let's just cash in. Let's just like sit him the rest of the year, see what it happens to. Like start, you know, other people in a positionless basketball scenario, and we've got his value high, so we'll just let it ride. And I mean, this is fake strategy, so don't take this. Don't don't take this to the bank. But
0: no, I think I think the argue, the counter to it is just that people will argue he's a. Poor man's Marcus Smart, where it's just like he's a no, no, yes when he shoots, and then he's a pest on the defensive end.
1: So let me ask you this. What if you gave Melton Dylan's minutes and shot attempts?
0: I would be a fan.
1: What if Melton played 30 minutes a night and shot it 17 times would a game? I love it. Do you think Melton would be averaging the same as Dylan? Do you think it'd be better than Dylan? Do you think his efficiency would be as good as it is now? Like, You know what? Where are you at there? I think you know? this
0: is a good social experiment because I would love to see what people, how people react if if Melton were to put up the same percentages that Dylan has put up historically. I think we've gotten conditioned to expect it from Dylan, and if we see it from another player, we would freak out. Be like, the why are we playing this guy?
2: But the, the percentages would be like more... Appealing percentages, it wouldn't be these like BS shot attempts.
0: No, what I'm saying is though, like it would be. I think it's it's it would be point. I don't think Melton would ever shoot that badly in a real sense. I'm just saying, thinking about it in a different kind of way. Like, what if another player on the Grizzlies were to shoot the same poor percentage as Dylan? They would. The media members that are defending Dylan would freak out. Whereas they're just conditioned now to expect it from Dylan. Therefore, they don't. But I agree. The shots would be completely different. They'd be much better. And it, the percentage would be higher. A hundred percent. I just
2: feel like we would flow so much better. It's, it's...
1: I think Jaron should be our leading shot taker whenever. I'm Probably not when he comes back for 10 games. I would love like it. Next year, if Jaron doesn't
0: lead us in shots, we're doing something wrong.
2: You heard it here first.
0: Man, uh, we were planning on having the bulk of our pod be this top 10 It still 10 can list, be. And it still can be. But, man, it felt good to talk about the Grizz there. This is the
1: end of part one. Please join us for part two. I'm just kidding. Brantley's going to get another beer.
0: He – and we – I love, too, how we have all these conversations and at the end realize we haven't talked about our best player. But Ja, it was – it's been a weird up and down stretch with Ja because I think he's – What, you mean Conchar? (laughs) Jiddy. Ja had – Uh, some weird turnovers um, in the last game against the Hawks, which is just a beautiful win anytime we can beat the Hawks. And at the same time, you look at the end of the game, I mean, like, he's he's the heart and soul still. Like, how he goes is how we go. Um, And I think his impact can't be understated. And we'll probably get into his impact here in just a minute.
2: We probably will.
0: Um, So... (laughs) That's a, that's just a segue into our next segment, um, which I will uh, introduce here. Like I said at the top, there's this article on ESPN that came out about the top 25 players under 25. We decided to take this matter into our own hands. And um, before we reveal our lists, which I think we should do it from 1 to 10 on each one, and uh, maybe we can go, you know, one at a time and just reveal our, each of our number ones, each of our number twos and, and such. Love that. And before we get started, let's talk about the way we went about making this list and the criteria by which we did. Because I think the the prompt on ESPN was future potential. This is what we're basing this on. And that's that's a very broad statement. So I'm interested to hear how you guys made decisions on this. Uh, and then we can reveal the list. Don't reveal any names with your reasoning, but just give me the how you thought about going into this.
2: So, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies franchise, based out of Memphis, Tennessee, I think has two really, really phenomenal ceiling players on our roster under this age. So, I just simply just looked at it at the list and said, If I had to replace – if I got the opportunity to replace one of them or or either of them, who would I take ahead of them?
0: Mm. That is a really interesting way to go about it. Um, I went about it as uh, in terms of can this player be the best player on a championship team? And can I see that happening? And I went down the list of, I also said, how much do I have to, um, how much do I value this player in in a way that I would build the entire system around them? And so as I, the one at the top, I think is the, the um, easiest necess- or not the easiest, but just like the one where it's a no brainer that you build around and, and, and so on. And so we'll go through – I'll go through the reasoning on each one too. But, Ty, what about you?
1: Well, yeah, we were similar. Um, I think we all probably were. In the fact that who has the most, like, impact on winning um, was pretty much mine. Not necessarily, like, who's going to get me the most points. Like, projecting forward, who do I think, like, if I had to – part of it was, like, if I had to just give the ball to somebody and get them go get a bucket, that had, like – an aspect but also like who is just who impacts winning the most who can like dominate a game even if it's not offensively like even defensively there's a guy on my list that like defensively i feel like in a game could just absolutely dominate the game defensively so i think that's that was my criteria
0: whoo all right um who wants to go first to reveal the number 1. Can I, say I think that we should
2: I, I think we might all agree on the number 1. It's the
1: easiest if y'all don't have this the same person as me then I'm going to I have I, I think test we her, It's Luca.
2: It's Luca for drugs. Yeah, you it, you can't not say It's Luca.
0: Luca Doncic. He's 22 years old, which is b- b- just insane. If um, he
1: never gets better
0: I would still pick where him he is right now.
1: This is, if, knowing that he would never improve, right? he would still be my pick, number one.
0: In his third year, he was the favorite to win the MVP in terms of betting odds before the season started. Like That's like Ja next year being the leader in the clubhouse for MVP before the season started. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's obvious. He's also, I think, out of... A lot of these players, I would say, shown how he can lead in the playoffs and lead a team t- to win. I mean, he had a really tough matchup against the Clippers uh in that series last year. But yeah, no, I think that's number one. Yep. Definitely. Uh number two. Ty, who'd you have for number two? I'm changing my number two. What? Oh, All you right. Can, can you do <laughs> that? No, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm changing my
1: three and you four. You wrote it down on real paper. And... Ty actually has a pen and paper. I'm changing my three and four. Okay. Uh, my well, number two is Tatum. Um, Back to your point about playoff stuff, Tatum at like 20, I wouldn't say went toe-to-toe with LeBron, but definitely like made himself known against LeBron and... Tatum is like their guy going forward. They have made three of the last four Eastern Conference Finals, I want to say, as Tatum their best player. Um, if he starts to kind of figure out when to pick his spots, I think he has all the tools in the world. He's six nine. He can score pretty much anywhere on the floor. I think when he wants to like lock in defensively, he can do it. And back to my criteria in the beginning, like who could I see like either taking over a playoff series or taking over a game? I think Tatum is second on that list behind Luka.
2: Yeah, he's my number two as well.
0: Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I have Zion, number two. Get the –
2: are you serious? I do.
0: I do. I think that he has shown enough to me – He'll be out of the league in three years. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, Zion really is my number two. You would and take I, Zion over Ja – Uh huh. Okay. And I'm I'm also thinking the next ten years. I'm thinking the next ten years, and I'm also, Mm. um, I think there is a real sense of uh, he is he to me has a a gear that not a lot of players have, and he also has the the size to exercise his will at any point in time. The one knock I would say against Zion is that he is um, slightly as a as a guy who plays down on the block, which he can also bring it up, which is insane. But as a guy who, who generally has a position starts down low, he is he is dependent at some level on somebody else around him. But I think building around him correctly could yield to the second highest results on all of these guys under twenty five, right below Luca. So that's why I have John, uh, Zion.
2: When is the appropriate time for us to agree or disagree based on where our lists are?
0: Well, I think we're we're getting there pretty okay. soon. Okay, cool. So two, y'all had Tatum. I had Zion. Yeah. All right, yeah. three. Brantley, right. who you have? Okay,
1: I
2: have I have Donovan Mitchell. Number nice.
0: three. Nice uh same because
2: wow top three the same yeah i i mean the best team in the nba this year went toe-to-toe last year with western conference finalists the nuggets was basically a couple you know a mike conley shot away from beating the nugs and i would say it was largely because of
0: him I yeah he yeah here here's my counter he is uh, basically barely made. Well, I can't really say that very, very much as a knock because I mean, like all these guys being under twenty five, that's still really young. He is on the older side of this, which is fine. Uh, I also had he. I had the most trouble with Donovan Mitchell, and I think it'll be revealed when you see where he is on my list. Um, but so why'd you rate him number I, three? I, yeah, go ahead, Will. I'll answer right after you. Um, No, I mean, you go ahead, because y'all are talking about Mitchell right okay. now, but I won't talk until he... So,
1: to Brantley's point, against the Nuggets, he went berserk. And he has been thrown to the fire since he was a rookie. When they played Houston his rookie year in the playoffs, Utah had nothing but him. It was all on his shoulders, and he either had to score 35 or they lost. And there was a few games in there as a rookie where he put up like crazy numbers against Houston and they won. And I think everything, he's been thrown to the fire time after time after time. And I think he's 24, correct? 24 and a half. 24 and a half. Okay, he's 24. (laughs) He can score anywhere on the floor. When we play the Jazz, I'm terrified anytime he has the ball and he crosses half court. He can shoot, he can drive, he's a pretty good defender, and he shows up in big moments. And this year, I think the biggest difference is he's now consistently doing it. So if you look back at the Denver series, Jamal Murray also went berserk, right? Jamal Murray played us in a game earlier this year, and he went one for nine. Completely no-show. Complete disappeared, right? Donovan Mitchell doesn't have any of those games anymore. Donovan Mitchell is consistently great on the offensive end of the floor, and he can do so much. And again, back to my list-making, if three minutes left, it's a tight game, you're going to throw the ball to somebody and say, hey, go get us a bucket, Donovan Mitchell is probably top three on that list. And I know there are other aspects to games, but that's a huge important game when you're trying to win a title. And I think Donovan Mitchell, that's his best quality, is he's going to go get you a bucket.
0: That's good. Uh, He's in my top five. I have Ja Morant, three. And I think that there's an argument to be made about... uh, I think that the haters would say the shooting is the biggest issue, which we would also, I would think, agree with that. However, I don't see... I don't see a point guard like Ja in the league. Uh, He has a uh i don't even know how to an intangible aspect to his game where he his IQ is through the roof however he finds a way that's the thing he he finds a way to get it done at the highest level despite his size i think he's only going to get bigger i think he's only going to get better and a shot is something that you can get um you can get that right like you cannot wake up one day and be able to do what he does on the court in terms of his vision, in terms of his leadership. I think that he has um a long way to go, which is why I put this is this is definitely putting the most eggs in this basket on on future potential um here to be this high in the list when you compare him to the other guys. Um but I do believe like he belongs in this top three. Uh I think he can take this franchise to a championship level, you just have to build around him correctly. And I think Zion and he are very similar in that way, in that you build around them correctly, they have a higher ceiling than some of these guys who are amazing players, but they also control a lot more in terms of offense, but I also think that they're a little bit more difficult to build around because of the way that they, um, the way that they need the ball. Ja is such a great distributor and can play any style. You just have to put the weapons around him, but he can still be the best player on the championship team, even with that. So he that's why I put him at three. So And he's twenty one.
2: Let's I put Ja fourth. Okay. So if you remember like my list was who would I take over our two like franchise pillars. So Ja is fourth. So I'm basically saying the only people right now under twenty five that I would take ahead of Jha is Luca, Jason, and Donovan Mitchell. And I'm saying the like the reason why I'm ranking him above maybe even like Zion, who's already been mentioned, is because I I think the effects winning thing really matters. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm really highly I'm putting a lot of uh value into his performance last season and how he impacted winning for us last season against some against some high quality, not below under 25 age stars, and him also doing it this year without our second best player. Right. What would this team be like without Ja this year? Oh. Would we be competing for a playoff spot without Ja? We would be worse than the Thunder. So, to me, considering how competitive the West is, and we're competing for a top eight playoff spot right now. In a pretty decent spot for at least the, at a minimum to play in, I, you have to give all of that credit to John. It's not getting enough attention to
0: me. Yeah, we're it's getting Agreed. overlooked, way overlooked. Um, just to round it out, what who is your, who's your fifth? Because I think we can we can go top five uh, of each of us.
2: My fifth is Booker. Nice, because dude can score. I don't. I think that he's needed some veteran presence around him this year to help pull like performance out of him a little bit and, and better coaching. And um, I think he's sort of learning the way that he needs to play. The, the guy's never been on a winning, in a winning situation until this year, essentially. And so I think it's demonstrating it. And I can't – honestly, if I were to think about like players that I'm most excited to see in a playoff context right now, he's maybe like number one or two. I can't wait to see yeah. if he has another level to turn on in a highly competitive playoff The series. bubble was a
0: mini playoffs for them in a way. Yeah. And you saw how he, at the highest stakes, they couldn't lose a game to yep. even have a chance. Yep. So, Ty, what about you?
1: So, my I had, uh, again, Mitchell three, Zion four, Ja five. Nice. Um, I'm not going to re-harp the Zion thing because I – Everything you said. So one thing about Ja and where he differs from. Can this... I ask you a question
2: first on Zion? Yeah, Both sure. Yeah.
1: Why does them not winning matter
0: to you I this think, year? Well, I think he's completely, um, like he is the one. He Ingram is playing really, really well, and Ingram's really good, but Zion is uh, completely an outlier on this team. Like, it doesn't – he is – he couldn't do more than what he's doing. Y'all are
2: basically saying Zion is should be rated highly, but the team is so poorly built around him right now that that's why they're losing so bad.
1: I think that's an aspect, but also I think if, like, Stan Van Gundy walked in the locker room and just looked Brandon Ingram in the eye in front of everybody and be like, yo, B.I., this is Zion's team. Give me the keys so I can hand it to him. I think the team would just flow a lot differently. And I think Jaw has benefited from us doing that from the jump. Right. When Jaw got drafted, the entire organization was like, yo, Jaw, this is you. You are the Memphis Grizzlies moving forward. I think if New Orleans would have done that from the start with Zion, I think it would maybe reflect a little bit differently. But there's a lot of conflict going on there. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of maybe pieces that don't necessarily fit. I don't know if the front office has done a good job. They basically just kind of grasp at every good player that they can find and just kind of throwing them onto the floor. And I don't think it's putting Zion in the best position. I think if he wasn't on their team, I think they'd be a lot worse. I'll say that.
0: 100%. And, yeah, I don't think that— But I
1: get your point. I get it that they should be a lot better because they are really talented. But the team, it's not like a team. It's like one guy doing one thing, then one guy does something else, and this guy does something else. There's not, like, unity in what they're doing. And I think that's a lot to do with coaching and maybe roster, maybe Zion too. But I think Zion is also 21 years old and has shown the ability to be an offensive force unlike any player in the NBA maybe right now.
2: So that is true, but I'm also going to reframe that a little bit in saying that I think he, he's so unique that it's going to be really hard for them to build the right team around him, which is to me why his ceiling is limited. I, think I get he that is too. unbelievably athletic, and he is this weird different – type of unicorn, I don't know, what you call him an alligator or something? What's another (laughs) really, like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, some awesome, like, different, like. King Kong. Yeah, like, I don't know what it is. He's a beast. He's incredible to watch and fun. I just, I don't know. I just think, I think the hype around him, I think it's going to be really tough for the Pelicans to build the right team around him, as much, regardless of how many awesome assets they have because that just I think it's going to take a lot of trial and error before it gets there versus someone like Ja has unbelievably awesome talent in a sort of traditional type position that you can immediately build around and and increase the ceiling getting there faster.
0: Certainly not traditional.
1: Yeah, and I think Ja like Ja's best quality arguably is he makes everyone around him better. Zion doesn't have that. There's not a lot of players in the league that do. So why is Zion better than Ja? I think Moving forward, I think Zion has an ability that Ja may not be able to get at one day, which is back to what I've been kind of harping on. Like if you need – like I feel like in a pinch you could just give Zion the ball and he can just – regardless of what the defense does, it doesn't even matter, he can go get you a bucket. And Ja right now can't do that. I'm not saying that he won't be able to do that, but it's not for certain, right? So one thing to even like – basically go against my own point is that jaw has been on a uphill trajectory since high school. He went to a mid major, terribly recruited, was not a high recruit at all. Went to Murray state freshman year, had a pretty good year. Sophomore year blew up rookie year of the NBA blew up. Second year, still improving. He shoots like 78% from the free throw line, which shows he has incredible touch, which usually people say that translates really well to three point shooting. Right. So I don't doubt that Jaw's not going to get there, but I think if, like, Zion is already at the point right now that if you just give him the ball and get out of the way, he's going to score. It's going to happen. Jaw unfortunately, doesn't have that right now. Defenses can work around it to where Jaw on the offensive end of the floor as far as a scoring perspective, can basically be taken out of the game. We've seen it before. I'm not saying that that happens often, but it does happen, Right? and i think in a playoff series whatever it may be when all teams are focused that's my whole thing on lamelo lamelo's never had any of that T- teams like don't even know he's on the floor his like stats to me are pointless so jaw at times the defense are their main focus is like stop jaw stop jaw stop jaw ja. and there are times where jaw stopped right and I think until he develops a jumper or an outside shot or at least a threat from there, I think he's going to be limited offensively. And I'm not saying he's not going to get there because I think he is. But I think Zion right now is already to a point unstoppable on the offensive end of the floor. And defensively, neither one of them are very good. So,
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, 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 with the, one, fifth, the one, I didn't say that. The one so thing he's I will, still really high on my list. The one thing I will say, though, is I do think that, uh, Zion actually can't, I don't think he, I I think he can pass really well. Like, I don't think, I don't think it's just the black hole. Offensively,
1: they're both great.
0: Yeah. No, I think, sure. I think that it's not like, that's the special thing about Zion is he's almost like a guard, but he has this body of somebody that can't be stopped down low, even by somebody like Rudy Gobert. So like, well, Rudy what are you going to do? Well, Rudy Gobert, he can't do? stop
1: Jaw either, because we no, got some, can't. we got some, no, he can't. We no, got and, some tape from the Jaw versus the Jazz where Rudy was like ducking his head, getting out of the way. Right. I'd rather have Jaw. Objectively, I would rather have Ja. Yeah. I so. mean, that's a, a I good mean, that's, argument. I have them four and five, so it's almost right. kind of like mm-hmm. a.
0: I think you build. I think you build. Them if you together, ask me now, would I trade
1: insane. straight up Pelicans call and be like, hey, we'll give you Zion for Ja, I'd probably say no. What?
2: Why would you – I don't understand. That,
1: what, because I'm biased because I'm a Memphis well, fan. And I love Ja. Okay, so that's the I think it's, goggles. I think it's close enough to where I'm not going to be like, oh, my gosh. But if like Boston called or Mavericks called and we were like Luka
0: for Ja, I'd be like, okay. Well, I also think it's really important to go back to this. I hope I this. eat
1: those words one day.
0: I think it's important to go back to the future potential. I mean, there are risks involved with Zion because of his injuries – things like that jaw too i mean yeah, yeah he's flying up and down but i think, they but I think you're looking perfect. at it in an ideal state so it's like it's so close it's yeah so close it is um Which i is so fun to debate it yes. is
1: it's and, incredible that we can even have that debate and i'll tell you who's not close Trey
0: young no
1: okay we'll move on
0: uh my to the disc tray really quick to round out my top five uh i have Lucas zion jaw tatum and mitchell did we all have the same top five at that point? Just in a different. Oh, you had Booker. I had Booker. You don't have Zion. I don't have Zion. Okay. Um, let's go then to our the let's bottom go six half. Six through 10. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll start. I have Booker. You talked about him, it, and I agree with everything. So you, you had said. Booker six. I have Booker six. You had Booker five. I have Zion six.
1: Okay. I had Booker seven.
0: Okay. Who do you have six?
1: Bam. Nice. The reason I have Bam is back to my why I kind of listed who impacts winning and who can dominate certain portions of games. And I think Bam is already showing those flashes and he's still only, I think he's 23. Correct. I think when Bam is like 27, I think he's going to be like a perennial defensive player of the year. I think he's going to be a freak. He's going to be able to switch everything. Who's
2: the, qu- who's the player right now that's contending that you're like, that's Bam's future?
1: Ooh, I don't know. I don't I mean,
2: I Is don't know. there one? Um, is he is he destined to be like a different type? He's not Embiid. He's not a scorer no, like Embiid. I think
1: he's more of like a Draymond in the fact that yes. offensively he can I be like it. a hub, but he's not a scorer, but you can run your offense through him, and he can make plays That's for others. He can comp. do a little bit of scoring. And defensively, he is like the anchor of all anchors. He can defend at one through five, everyone on the floor, yeah, defensively, he's just the best put on the floor every single night. And offensively, he's a creator, not necessarily like a scorer.
2: Yeah, I mean, this is probably a take. I love Bam, but I did not put him in my top ten.
1: That's that's fair.
0: I think it's fair. Uh, because it's also hard with big men. I mean, you have yeah. to be very, very, very special to get in the top ten. And I think Bam is. He's in mind somewhere. but um, And
1: Bam is one of those guys that, of all the people that we've already talked about, If you had to line them up and be like, give the Grizz one of them, I might even pick Bam first. Over Ja? No, 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 no. Like, who we don't have already. I would literally, I would, it would be, I'd be like, God, Bam would be awesome to have on your team.
0: Um, all right. So he was my six. And Booker was was my seven, yeah. And who, Zion is your six. I have Booker six. All right. This is when it gets interesting. I have Lamello seven. Lamelo is not even in my top like He's sixty. Not in my top ten. All right. <laughs> let, the reason talk. why I have Lamelo <laughs> is because uh, part of it is his age, nineteen. Um, I do think that despite his, um, there's been talks of you know him being on the bench when at the end of games, things like that. I see that um, a lot of of that I see as Charlotte's – just deciding to go with a guy like Rozier um, and also they're not, I mean, they're fine. They're kind of like us where they're a little bit over 500. Uh, I think that his, uh, his ability to, to do a lot of these sort of intangibles that I was talking about with jaw, his vision. Uh, I think he has a shot already. That's really good. And the fact that he is the height that he is, I think that, When you're talking about potential, like he is pretty raw, but I can see a future there. And I could see that's a point guard that I would want to build around, uh, potentially because he is super unselfish, but can also shoot when he needs to shoot. And he's completely, completely not what I expect him to be. I I thought he was going to be a bust, honestly. Um, but. I think you're already seeing the way that his game translates. And I think that he's only going to get more and more opportunities in Charlotte as they build around him. So it was more of that is the most potential type play of, of the list, obviously. Yeah. It
2: was really hard for me to like, want to give him a ton, a ton of credit just because of the situation that he walked into. Um, Like, and I get that that's sort of partially why I downgraded Zion. um, But I just I don't I'm not I don't know, just not super on him.
1: I agree Still. with Brantley, and so when the whole so Kevin O'Connor came out with the who would you rather you know have on your team moving forward, and he picked Lamelo over a lot of people, including John, and Trey Young. I agree with the Trey Young part, and then Verno of came course. back with like, what does he do when teams are like trying to stop him? A that's never happened. B, LaMelo's never had the, basically, like, he's never had to just be given the ball and be like, all right, man, do something. This is you. What you got? He's never had to do that. And that's the hardest thing to do in the NBA. And Ja has already had to do that and has already hit multiple game winners and has already created multiple winning plays. And I know you have Ja obviously ahead of LaMelo. But uh, back to the shooting thing, so jaw greater sample size has played a year of more basketball this time last year jaw was shooting like 37 percent from three and everyone's like "Ooh, that shot looks real good man you're not gonna be able to go under anymore jaw's awesome now as it has progressed jaw has played more ball the three point percentage has dropped back down maybe to the mean and now everyone's like oh jaw can't shoot i would love to wait a year and see if LaMelo is still shooting 38% from three, 37%, whatever it is, if he's back down to like 30, I wonder what people say then. Because that's what happened to Ja jaw sure. dropped like seven or eight percentage points and then everyone's like oh jaw can't shoot at all like nothing
0: yeah i think part of this though is he's played like 35 games no i agree and i think having him at like three as was the espn article spoiler that was the that's only not reason big, why not that you have him stupid.
1: seven but the, the fact that they had
0: him three is comical so that's the other thing too is like these lists are allowed to they're living and breathing like they're not Totally. In in a year we're going to get a better idea of what LaMelo can be and yes. he could even move higher uh depending on how he plays. Sure. I think it's just a it's a it's a hedge on uh I think you're going to see some guys, you know, for instance, he is 5 years younger than Mitchell and Booker, like 5. That's in the NBA, 5 seasons is an eternity. Like he has that much time to get to a point where he can end up being that guy. And I think you're seeing the flashes now. Sure. Um, so but I think it's just why. flashes. I we'll think see. that's all it
1: is. We'll see. To me. Like, Lamelo has shown, he hasn't shown any tangible things to me. Like, to me, it's all flashes. Like, there's a reason Borrego sat him in the fourth, like Brantley said.
0: Yeah, maybe so. We'll see. So. Um, all right, who'd y'all have at seven? Trey Young.
1: I'm kidding. Uh... <laughs> I had Booker, which we've already talked about.
2: Okay. I had
0: Simmons.
1: Nice. Because I'm basically like – I had him nine.
2: I think if he doesn't change at all, like he's yeah. an incredible – he's got incredible talent. He's I'm not convinced he's in the perfect situation. Get him out of Philly. Tatum yeah, and 100%. Simmons have
0: already made all NBA teams. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um, I mean, he locked down – best defender in the league. He can he can get up and down the court. Who cares if he can't shoot? Surround him with shooters, and he'd be incredible.
0: I think you t-
1: – he is my eight. He's my nine. So my eight was Jalen Brown. Um, The reason is because Jalen Brown has taken a huge leap. It seems like every year he's played, he's gotten exponentially better. This year, I watched him hang 50 on the Grizz, and he was just unconscious, and he's done that multiple times. I think if he continued to score, and he's a great perimeter defender, and I just love the way he plays. And I think he has the game to just get better and better and better. And he came out super raw out of college, right? And his trajectory is straight upward, and I think he has a chance to just continue to get better.
0: Yeah. Um, I had Jalen at 12. I went a little bit farther. but uh, Brantley, do you have him in your top ten? Nope. All right. Sad. Uh, have you given us your eight?
2: No, my eight is Brandon Ingram. Nice. Yeah.
0: Again, I just
2: – I don't know. He. I started to think about guys that just – like would buy low on basically like because i think they're not getting enough credit in like this kind of category and ingram is playing well but he's starting to get some shade thrown his way because he's not fitting with zion and like i mean i i i love jaron but i think i would take ingram over jaron like i i know that's i know that's not i love i love jaron i think he's great at upside but like i love both I mean, they're both so great. I mean, I, I'd love both too. I just, I don't know. Yeah, that no. was my lens, and I like it was hard. But that's fair. Jaron can that. make me eat crow later, and that's I get just that. especially with a fit, a long jaw.
0: Um, my nine was Bam. Yeah. Um, who was your nine? Uh, Ben Simmons. Nice. All right. My nine was Triple J.
2: Really? Yeah, I put him in there. He's my ten because I was like, who would? I, I, my I, ten. I was looking at the list, and I just like. Like I know – like the way that he was playing in the bubble last year was like we have we have a future – I had originally been saying Jaron can't be a number two on a championship team. He's maybe your three. And the way he was playing in the bubble last year against the Blazers made me really rethink it. So if he can get healthy, the way he was developing his ability to, to create off the dribble, drive to the hoop – his three point percentage, we've talked about it enough. Like, and we were just, you know, Ty has lots of great chronicles discussing what he was going to be working on a pick and pop type scenario and the eavesdropping slash conversation he had with um, former, former coach. Coach Ivy. Coach, coach, Ivy. coach Ivy. Ivy. Shout <laughs> out which City is Silo. Like the sketchiest thing
1: Ty's maybe ever done in his <laughs> life. I was not sketchy. It was not. We were at City Silo. We were yeah, both yeah. ordering chicken Caesar salads. Great. That's really cute. I didn't even
2: know they had chicken Caesar there. Is it good? Anyway. Um, yeah, that's why that's I mean, my lens was all who would I take ahead of our two guys and I couldn't get to somebody else, honestly.
1: Jaron was my ten for all the all the reasons you just said. I think he's twenty one years old and he can do something that no other player on this entire list can do, which is protect the rim and be a d- extremely dangerous threat from three think of bam out of bio with a three-point shot and i think that's what jaron could be that's why, I didn't bam's have bam. Age.
2: that's why i'm taking jaron over bam
1: when jaron is bam's age in two years it wouldn't shock me if he is just a perennial just freak on defense and also shooting 40 percent from three and i think that is incredibly rare and he's still growing because now he's seven foot which is
0: awesome. i hope y'all are right that's pretty i mean i don't disagree with the offensive part of it um I had, uh, my 10th was SGA. I think that he is in
1: my consideration. Just
0: another big point guard who the OK or the Thunder have decided to, um, basically treat as one of their anchors. And I think that he, um, despite his situation right now is going to be really, really good. He can do every single thing on the court. Um, his defense has to get a little bit better, which is why I think he's at 10 for me. Um, but I can see him rising on this list in the next couple of years. He's
2: my number 10, too. And just simply from, like, where would the Thunder be if he wasn't on their team? Like, they're everybody thought that they were going to be, like, in, you know, the top for the lottery this year. And they're super competitive, and it's because of him.
0: Yep. Um, cool. That was our list. Wait, you have 10? Jaron mm. was 10. Jaron was my 10. And who was Trip 9 J. again? You
1: didn't have Tripp J in your top 10. No. Jaron
0: was my 10. Should have been third. Jaron is probably in the teens for if me. If
1: Jaron is the best player on this list in five years, I would not just be like, my mind wouldn't be blunt. Wow. That's a heater.
2: That's a take. Man, that was a fastball.
1: I think Jaron is like, I just, I can't get it out of my head that he could, like, he's, people are sleeping on how good he can be.
0: I just think that he is, uh he is going to be, Arguably to me his ceiling is arguably the best uh, you know, second guy in the league, which is not a bad thing to be.
1: I think he can be your I just don't know, man. Like if he continues shooting forty percent from three while also developing everything else on offense and stops fouling, which he will stop fouling the older he gets, and he's grew an inch this summer and he's gonna continue to gain weight. Think about what Giannis looked like when he was twenty. And now he's 26. Look at Giannis. Think about Jaron when he's 26. He is going to be an animal. I just can't wait to see it. I just, I think he may be our best player. That's including Ja. I think in five years Jaron might be our best player.
0: Ty, That's probably the take. Plant your flag. No, you're, you're, you're. I love it. It's a great
2: Grizz take.
1: It is. I think people just, I get Ja. I get it. Like Ja is super fun. He does things no one else in the league can do. But I think in five or six years, Jaron could just be. I think he could just be incredible.
0: I think that Jaron at one point is going to be the most underrated player in the NBA. That's what I'll say. Like he's not. I, I think he'll get paid. I think he'll get all the the he'll get financial he wants treatment. For sure. He'll get all the the looks that he wants. Yeah. But I think that in in terms of unless Dylan takes all of his shots, out, right? In terms of the outside, uh, you know, the shine. I don't know. Like I to me Again, he's he wasn't on this the list. He
1: wasn't on the top 25 list. No, he wasn't. DeAndre Ayton is not closing games for the Suns. They're playing Dario Saric over him. Mikhail in Bridges situations.
0: was on the list too. Yeah. Insane. Which he's great but John was Jared,
1: Jared Allen was on there. Over Jared, Jared Allen was on the list. Yeah, I like Jaren that. was I mean, not I too, on the but list. over Jaren. No Jaren shot 40% from three and averaged like two blocks per 36. <laughs> no other player in the league did that
0: last year. All right. He's 20, 21. Now that was, a, that was fun. That was fun. Uh, let's get to our segments. We'll, we'll, we'll try to rip through these Grizz history moment guys today. Part three of the pot today. Yeah. Today, <laughs> uh, I think it was uh, ten years ago today. It was actually uh, the Grizzlies clinched uh, the playoff berth for the first time in, in like seven years. And that's when we made the eighth seed and w- went on to be twenty eleven.
1: Never forget it.
0: It was the iconic uh, Tony Allen picture of him just like holding the the jersey out, walking off the floor. It was an incredible game. Um, it was
2: the year I moved to Memphis.
0: Antonio McDice wow. retired. It's that true. year, because Zeebo after that just series worked him so hard,
1: he was like, "I can't do this anymore." You I got to quit?
0: You want to see how much basketball has changed in ten years? Go back and watch that series on YouTube. Uh, Antonio McDavid and Tim Young Duncan was were a both start starting on
1: an NBA playoff team. <laughs> that too.
0: Um, all right, Brantley. Any Top Shot updates for us this week? You know um, we've
2: we've been in a massive hold position. <laughs> uh, the market has been sort of interesting. Um, there were some announcements since we last talked about some investments that came into the top shot platform, um, from people like Will Smith, um, and there were some others. So I think that there's a lot of hope that there's going to be some infrastructure enhancements that's going to allow the platform to grow a little bit more. It has not necessarily impacted the value of any of our cards or moments in the direction that, um, that I would I would hope, so I'm gonna hold. I've got a pack coming my direction in the next couple of weeks that I paid nine dollars for. Um, previous packs have had about a ROI of mm, we'll call it like a hundred and fifty percent at a minimum. I've been able to make back what i buy on a pack, so okay. Maybe we'll have some like release. Like it a just lot, takes it. one though. It, I mean, even the ones that are crappy, one. you still can sell for like five bucks and, you know, that basically pays for the pack and then the other two cards, you can make money off are of Are we going to
0: do a live opening we, could, we, on the pod? we should. We could totally do that. Let's do it. It'd be
2: awesome. It's going to be really anticlimactic when it's like, <laughs> <laughs> name crappy, crappy player XYZ and that's who when we When it's Trey Young drawing a foul. That actually would be awesome because it'd probably be worth a ton of money. Kevin Herter. And I would gladly a 16 sell 16 foot pull up. Sell that. That's the. uh Antonio The dum dum wrapped in, wrapped in hair. If you haven't seen the picture of a dum dum that has fallen on a haircut salon studio it's, it's... floor wrapped in hair and then comparing that to Trey Young, do yourself a favor and go search for it on Twitter. It's amazing.
0: All right, let's get to bed, <laughs> bed of the week. Will's like, we're cutting that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, so. I. I said last pod, you can't spell Trey without rat. So, I mean, I don't think that I'm not holding anything back. All right, Ty, uh, what's your bet of the week? Bet of the week, Phoenix,
1: Suns, win the West, plus 1,200. Lock it in. Tell you why.
0: Wait, wait, real quick before you do that, okay? Tell us the last two bets you made, plus this one, and then tell us why.
1: First bet I made was New Orleans to win the division, Southwest division. Not looking good, that's for sure, because Dallas is getting real hot, and the Grizz are like five games ahead of New Orleans. Second bet I made was Philly to win the whole damn thing. Mm, Not looking good, not even knowing the East, because Brooklyn is just the best team ever, maybe. So that's not looking great, but my odds are like really good. So those are my first two, and then my this week's is Phoenix to win the West plus twelve hundred. This is why they've been incredibly healthy to this point. That could always fail when your point guards you seventy eight years just old. Broke
2: about Booker,
1: he's playing. I'm watching him right now. <laughs> don't oh, you don't even start with that. Nice. Lakers may drop to the play in. They're. Really In really tough spot. They're going to have to have a really hard matchup. Utah shoots a ton of threes. If they happen to not fall, could be in trouble. Clippers are obviously going to explode. That's the most... Just, of course, that's going to happen. And Denver obviously looks really good, too. I should have bet on Denver. But I think Chris Paul... And I think Booker's going to have kind of what you were saying earlier, Brantley. I can't wait to see what he looks like in the playoffs, and I think he's going to come ready to play and prove it because he's always been good stats, bad team, and I think he's going to be like, nah, that ain't me. I can see Phoenix sneaky getting out of the West, and plus 1,200 is great odds for that.
2: That's betting a dollar Market
1: to win 12.
0: All right, Brantley. That's how
2: multiplication works.
0: What were your past two bets and what is your your bet of the week this um, week? Um
2: I had the Charlotte Hornets, like buzz like a honet. um little LFO <laughs> pop culture <laughs> reference there for you. William Shakespeare. Anyway, he wrote a whole lot of sonnets. Sonnets, that's how they rhyme there. Uh to win the Southeast Division at plus 700. Um I actually can cash that out right now on FanDuel and get my money back. My $1. May have to do that in a bit. Um, I had the because that's not I don't really know if I believe in that bet as much anymore. So, if you bet a hundred, get your money back. Um, I had the Suns to win the Pacific Division at plus three thirty odds. So that's looking pretty good. Um, I think currently, um, and honestly, I really struggled this week, and so I just decided to zag really hard and look for a lot of value. I don't think that this is going to come true, but. I think that there's may, if there's anybody that has maybe a, an outside chance of usurping Nikola Jokic for the MVP, mm. it's James Harden, as much as I hate to admit it.
0: Oh, no, no, no. He's and, hurt now for a little bit of time, you know
2: No, I don't know that he actually. Just, so now I'm not up to my MVP. NBA I'm gonna rise out a silver. couple of weeks. Okay, well, so now I just, that's a wasted dollar. I can still cash out. Is Jokic still
1: the favorite, though? Yeah. Currently
2: the favorite? He's the only one with not plus odds.
1: Is it like minus 100? It's like minus 125.
2: Yep. Well, (laughs) screw everything I just said. I'm cashing that dollar out and getting it back.
1: (laughs) He has a hamstring. He's out for like another week. I mean, he probably won't miss that much. I don't know. I just was
2: like. I
0: and KD just came back too. So
1: it went five for five. Yeah. And put up 17 points in like 12 minutes. Yep. They're so good. Whoever bet them to win. The, who was it? Either one of y'all. I did. You bet them to win the title, three to one. So did I. At three to one odds, so did what, I. same three to one odds. I, I did it on the pod, and then Brantley did it in real life.
2: I put real money on it. I put real money. They are the, not going to lose. Real money on all of these things.
1: It wouldn't surprise me if they lose like two games all the way through the playoffs. They are going to be unreal.
0: All right. I, well, what did you do? I had Brooklyn in week one, plus three hundred to win the title. I also have Phoenix as the division winner um, in the Pacific Division. That would be
1: a nice hedge for me. We
0: and we both, we both did that one? No, you had a Charlotte and you had... Um,
2: I had Phoenix too.
0: Um, I'll have yeah. to listen back.
2: Maybe I just bet on that one after you did it because I liked it. I almost probably it.
0: I uh, I think you I remember in the podcast. Oh, uh, I remember let's just listen back. I'm
2: sorry, my very, very first one. This was a really not great
0: take. Was LeBron the whiz MVP. to
2: make the playoffs at plus three thirty.
0: Ah, oh. uh, that's what it was. And I remember I, you saying yeah. you thought about Phoenix winning the division. That's what I had down as mind. That's right. And that's what I did. I actually bet on the Phoenix one. Yeah. They're um they're they're leading that division right now. Um all right, so my my uh if you look at the website five thirty eight, they're kind of a data website. They have two teams that are tied right now for chance to win the finals. One is Brooklyn. The other might surprise you. Milwaukee. The LA Clippers. They Boo. have both at
1: 18%. Clips are the worst.
0: I am going to um Trust the data here. We're watching them play Phoenix right now, actually. And I'm going to take the Clippers at 5-1. to one I hate that. To win the finals. I hate it. Um, I the, don't want to root for that. The case for LA to win the finals is things fall apart for Utah and Phoenix. Uh, Kawhi Leonard is the best player in any series. And... Um, Brooklyn has an issue with uh, Kyrie leaving, and James Harden being him himself in the playoffs, and Katie not being able to carry the load. That's the it's that's the how case. You to
2: talk about all three of those players. Yeah,
1: <laughs> first of all, Katie's going to average as many. Well, I already have never Brooklyn. Miss a shot.
0: I already have Brooklyn, so I'm, coo- this I'm cool. This is a with hedge. That. This is a hedge. Uh, hard hedge. I, I should have said probably LA Conference. Pandemic The odds weren't as good. And just hit the side of the backboard
1: <laughs> a bunch.
0: Yeah, I know. This is the one where um, I'm least sure about, obviously. But I was surprised to see that. They might know something I don't. So I'm going to, you know. Yeah. It's okay. Go with that.
1: My Philly to win the title is not looking great right now. That's for sure.
0: Well, who knows? That's why these are
2: futures, in Vegas does well. They win money. <laughs> they <and> do.
0: <laughs> um, Well, that was bet of the week, and now let's finish out by just talking about what the Grizz have next. Uh, If you part four, if you've stuck (laughs) with us through this, props to you. You're a real fan. Um, And yeah, so we have a five game stretch here, and we were talking about this beforehand. Where we gotta win. We really need to go above 500 on this. We gotta win three of the next five. It's at at the Knicks tomorrow night or tonight if you're listening to this on Friday. Uh, Pacers at home, Bulls at home, Mavs at home, and then in Chicago against the Bulls. After that, it heats up fast. We play the Bucks, then the Nuggets, then the Clippers, the Blazers twice, then the Nuggets, then the Blazers again. Oof. Um, That is a seven-game stretch that we really need to solidify where we are before then, and also the game to watch. Uh, which will happen between the time that we're recording and then the time that we'll speak to you next, is uh, the Mavericks, which is uh, next Wednesday. So it is a home game against the Mavericks. We are a game and a half back from the Mavericks right now. Mavericks are in the seventh seed. So um, if we can somehow squeak out a win there and take care of business against the teams that we're better than already, then we'll at least go into the seven-game stretch feeling a little bit good about ourselves. Um, But, anyway, fun times ahead. Let's finish (laughs) it out like we do every time. Hammer, nail, coffin, guys. What is one thing that you're watching for in the next two weeks in regards to the Grizzlies?
1: Trip J, coming back. That's it.
0: I hope that he's back before we talk next. That would be fantastic. I say we just don't talk next until he comes back.
2: I might miss you guys. We'll see. That seems sort of such a long time.
0: <laughs> I hope he comes back before in the teens of April. That would be great. Before the twenties. What about you, Brantley? What are you looking for? Honestly, we
2: didn't really mention it, but I- I'm hoping that Jaws' back injury doesn't linger. Yeah, it's kind of like lower back thing. Uh, it it's obviously been really, I guess, prevalent maybe the past three games. And um, you could certainly see him working through it in last night's game against the Hawk. He was still having an impact, but wasn't – didn't really seem true to form. So, with this stretch that's coming up, I mean, we really need him to not have that type of lingering
0: pain. Yep. Um, we talked about it a lot today, but we're all Team Melton on this podcast. I want to see Melton get a real spot in the rotation – And I also don't want that to come at the expense of Grayson Allen's shooting performance, but um, I think we'd all agree that we'd like to see Melton play. And so that's uh, what—here's to hoping that that happens, um, however Jenkins decides to do it. Um, This has been another edition of the Grizz Den Pod. Uh, Thanks for joining us. If you want to follow us on social media, go to at GrizzDen on Instagram, at Grizz underscore Den on Twitter. Go to GrizzDen.com. We got some fun shirts there for you. Um, but until next time, for Brantley and Time, i Will. Thanks for joining us.